I'm a movie boy and that's good. I will never be good and that's not movie boy. There is no movie boy. I'd rather be movie boy, movie boy, movie boy. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's a Wreck-It Ralph reference, Conrad. Hi, my name is Conrad and I'm Hello. a movie boy. Hello, Conrad. Um, I, thank you for sharing that with us. Today. <laughs> um, welcome to the spin-off, Doctors. I'm your... Co-host Jim Sterling, and I'm joined by your other co-host Conrad Zimmerman. Hello, Hello. Conrad. Hello. Are you feeling good? I'm feeling great. This, I feel better than I think I ever have coming into one of these. It's it's positive. Yeah. It's positive. We watched not a, not ironically, not you know, not a rush hour level comedy. We watched a genuinely good contemporary, well-made film today, didn't we? We certainly did. We watched Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph, uh, which my wife quickly started calling Erect Dick Ralph. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, and then I, I followed up with a more tepid Rectum Ralph, uh, which did have the added bonus of me doing impersonations of John C. Riley, Ralphing quite literally into someone's gaping anus. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's not what the film's about. No. It's, <laughs> it's thematically very different. <laughs> Quite different, in fact. Wreck-It Ralph is not based on a video game. Normally we do this preamble bit and we talk about the video game's history, what it might mean to us, uh, but we can't do that with this one. It's going to be an interesting episode all round, actually, because mm-hmm. this, is, this is our first foray into a video game-themed rather than video game-based movie, um, and also our first foray into one that's genuinely good. <laughs> Without much to, to, like, take the real piss out of. Like, you know, as much as I love Street Fighter, as much as I love Mortal Kombat, there is so much to take the piss out of. And there is a lot of irony, you know, ironic laughs to be had and, and ways we can point out how shitty it is. Whereas this one, it's, it's good. It's a, it's a high-quality Disney film. Yeah, there's, and... there's nothing... Well, I don't want to say there's nothing shitty about it, but the things that are kind of shitty about it are totally okay in the light of everything else in it being so good. Like, there's a, a attention to detail and a care on the part of the people who made this movie that we simply do not get to enjoy in this series, generally speaking. Generally speaking, yeah, especially when you hear what we're doing next time. But um, yeah, yeah, so it, it really is, it's a, it's a, it's a clever little film. Um, very well put together, um, but look at look at me going on and talking about the bit we normally say for later. Um, God, we are gonna struggle. Oh yeah, yeah. This is gonna um, be a total wreck. <laughs> it's um, it's gonna be different. It's gonna be different from what we normally do here, which is fine. It's sure. a different it's is a new good. challenge. It's a new challenge. Yeah. Um, and and indeed, Wreck It Ralph is itself about breaking the mold and trying to be better than or different uh, from from what the world tells you you are trying to break the mold, before learning at the end that it's better to conform and be happy with what you have and never question the system that's in place. Which is, it did just occur to me that that is what the film yeah. is, oh, is you, about. Oh, you just, you just caught that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, that, a, it's a movie of conformity. Yes, this is, this is a, a film about maintaining the status quo, if ever there were one. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's... <laughs> It, it, it's a bold film in, in terms of the licenses they brought together for it and um, and the way they used it. You know, they what impresses me is how they didn't layer that on thick. No. 
You know, it's not like Sonic the Hedgehog is popping up every three minutes. You know. No, uh, but and but it's in it, but it's normalized. It's it's every. It feels like everyday life for these characters that yes, they would encounter yes. each other and have interactions, and that's helped in large part by it not being a, a big world necessarily. It's a very self-contained little universe of connected arcade machines like the yeah. the setting is an arcade it's not um all of these big worlds to explore no. or, i mean or there, are the very, there are very few locations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the game you know most of it takes place in 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 two major locations you know each arcade machine is its own little world and there's only two where there are real events happen and there's like I think, like, one other that, that we visit briefly. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're right in saying it's very self-contained. Um, also, if I may be so bold, if I may be so bold, uh, I would draw comparisons between this and Who Framed Roger Rabbit in terms of um, the way it takes uh, a popular entertainment medium of its day and takes licenses from that medium and mashes it all together in a, in a very clever, uh, unique way. No, yeah, um, you're absolutely right. It has a lot of the same, a lot of the same elements of, of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, even down to the uh, sort of existence of two separate worlds, a real world and this arcade world, and the fact that we get to see both of those in the same film. That's not that's not that usual. Normally, you would get oh, it's all set in the game world, and while the human world might exist, you never spend any time with it. Or it's about people in a real world interacting with video games. There's mm -hmm. not as many that sort of attempt to uh, keep those two elements disparate, yet still existing in the same universe. And I think that's an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the easy comparison, of course, would be something like Toy Story. Oh, oh um, yeah, yeah. For its thematic elements. But I think in terms of practical practical comparisons that we can make and, and you know the actual film itself outside of its internal themes um i think who framed roger rabbit is is the film that comes to mind which mm -hmm. reminds me i have not watched that in shit i've not watched it properly since i was a literal child instead of the figurative one i am now i think i watched so, it a few years my. ago in the last few years i've watched it and and it's still great yeah it's still a great movie I bet it holds up. Like yeah. I've not seen it since I was uh, little one, so I'd, I'd like to. I tried to watch it a few years back. Uh, it was the first thing I ever tried to watch on Netflix when I tried Netflix for the first time. Um, but my internet wasn't for shit back then, so we never tried again until we actually got decent internet. And then I don't think it was on Netflix anymore after that. So Disney knows, likes know to how it got on Netflix in the first place. Disney likes to shuffle around uh, its licensed. That's it, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's big on that. Disney it's, itself, they are cunning in the deployment of their of their media. Um, you know, because they have that huge library, and these are the guys who, you know, they'll put out a Blu-ray in a limited run for, like, a year or a season, mm -hmm. and then take it off the market. And well, they're hungry like the wolf, Conrad. They are. But, I mean, but the, you know, the people who like Disney movies and want to have it on, on the latest format where it's looking good, they rush out to buy them because they know that it's not going to be available forever and they'll yeah. miss their chance. So they partake of the union of the snake and get it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so, on film. Uh, so Disney is, is, is phenomenal at that. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, so 
Wreck It Ralph is, but Wreck Ralph's a good movie. Like, and and, yeah. and actually, this is one of the rare instances. You know, often I say it helps to watch the movie before you see the show. It's not ne- or listen to this show. It's not necessary by any means. Uh, I don't think, but but because we're we're just fucking entertaining on our own. I mean, oh really. God, we are the funniest people. Exactly. As agreed upon by over eight hundred thousand listeners <laughs> on that one episode, that was probably a mistake. <coughs> but Did I mention? I don't think I mentioned on this show. I think I'm, I mentioned it as, as an aside on Podquisition, but on this show, I, I never mentioned that shortly after that episode had that weird day where it had seven hundred thousand listens. I got an email from SoundCloud um, that wasn't about it, but it was. Oh, hey, uh, just want to know if you're interested in running commercials on your show. <laughs> I noticed you don't have ads turned on. Um, so I think they took I'm, I'm sure it was pure coincidence oh yeah no there's that, no way those things yeah. are connected but that was funny <laughs> they actually emailed me yesterday and asked if I if, if I got that email I <laughs> to tell them like look it's tempting it's always tempting right you know I get emails about advertising on the gymquisition.com all the fucking time even though on the contact page it clearly says do not email me with advertising offers um, nobody you know, reads we're so keen things. to work with you but we don't read any of your shit um, it's always tempting, but of course I, I have a commitment to ad-free content here. That's a pretty so, serious commitment, judging by your YouTube efforts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that was fun. Yeah, that, that, that was yeah. a fun last week messing around with all that content ID stuff. That was that was a good laugh. Um, but yeah, talking of adverts, let's get back to Wreck It Ralph, uh, which is full of them. Well, let's. Um, well, you know, maybe we should just. Maybe we should just move into the synopsis. I think we should. Sort of banging on for a bit. And, well, that's yeah. it. We, it's not like we've got a minimum or maximum running time on this. Yeah. So, um, you know, it might not be, it's not going to be a two hour romp this time. And it sh- they never should have been. <laughs> so let's get right into the plot. Let's kick it off. It's Wreck It Ralph. I'm going to wreck it! That's my impression of John C. Reilly. I just realized I was going to encourage people to actually go watch this movie because oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, please watch it beforehand. It's, yeah. I think it's easier with the other ones if you've played the game or something. Um, because then just hearing about how shit the film is works. But here, it's it, there's nothing else to base your experience off. And it is a good film. Yeah, so, it's, it's yeah. actually, like, because, I mean, I'm going to nitpick and be a dick about it. And I don't want you to get the wrong, the movie's great. Go watch the movie. Yeah, but 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 we are here to... Yeah. To get really into the nitty gritty of it, so there is going to be, as, as Conrad says, nitpickery. So here we go, Wreck It Ralph! I'm going to wreck it! We open with an arcade machine, Fix It Felix Jr., and a self introduction by Ralph, the villain of said game. Ralph's job, as he explains, is to wreck an apartment building, while Felix's job is to repair it. I'm going to wreck it! Pretty much. That's what he says. Felix's job is more rewarding. Not only does he get a medal for good performance, he's appreciated by the other characters in the game after work, while Ralph has to go to his home in the Niceville dump alone. After getting thrown off the roof into the mud. And this has been Ralph's life for the last 30 years, as depicted by a time-lapse segment ending with the closing of the arcade at the end of the night and the characters in the arcade machines abandoning their games to socialize with one another. Now, 
We learn that Ralph's monologue is addressing a support group consisting of other game villains, which notably includes Bowser, Dr. Robotnik, M. Bison, Kano, a House of the Dead zombie, uh, Clyde, the orange ghost from uh, Pac-Man, who heads up the group, and either... Not, the... not expats or anything, like, not, I say expat, not like Captain Erzatz's, like, it's, they're actually them. Yeah, they're like actually the licenses. them. Um, and then there's a handful of other villains there that I just don't recognize as being from anything. Um, like, who's the, the purple rhino supposed to be? Uh, be uh, Rocksteady. No. No, I'm making that yeah. up. I'm making that up. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. That's Satine, just weird. I thought, was... Um, oh, I can't remember. I'm fairly certain he's from something. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's the we're case. Casuals. We casuals. Yeah. We're, what, what do I know? Casuals. Yeah. Not hardcores. Um, and, and then I know I, Bowser. Yeah. And either because He's of the, Sonic. Either because of the Street Fighter movie or the Cold War picture in Justice, Zangief's there. And he relates his personal revelation about the importance of his role, or more specifically the role of his thighs, as a bad guy. Uh, the zombie attempts to clarify that labels aren't important, and Kano, just so that we would know that the goofy-looking half-robot dude next to the zombie is Kano, tears the zombie's heart out. Yes. Uh, Kano... Funnily enough, I think I could be wrong. I don't think I saw Kano listed as Kano in the credits. That's interesting. I, I think I saw him listed as just Cyborg. Okay, well, I think, that could I be. I think Cyborg is referring to Kano in the credits. That, that, but it's clearly Kano. It's got to be. Why else would you do that? And then, so, why, but why would you... <sighs> Maybe they couldn't actually get the license. Well, that's what Kano, I'm thinking. Like and the, but the, the, the joke isn't strong enough to justify, like, come up with a different joke with a different character then. Maybe someone on the, the writing team just really loves Mortal Kombat. It's gotta, I, I can't explain it, but it's just strange, and he's hideous looking. Um... Ralph tells the group that he no longer wants to be a bad guy, and that terrifies them. Um, M. Bison... Talk of going turbo. Yeah, M. Bison yeah. asks Ralph if he's going turbo, and, and Ralph denies this accusation. And, and Clyde encourages Ralph to just accept himself as he is. Um, this meeting breaks up, and the villains board a train, which takes them from the Pac-Man arcade machine to Game Central Station, which is a, a power strip um, that connects all of the devices, or all the machines, and gives them power. And Ralph is inconvenienced there by a surge protector who puts him through an annoying customs procedure. Now, as Ralph heads back to his own game, with others in the station fleeing, fleeing in fear of him, Sonic the Hedgehog delivers a helpful public service announcement to the audience, warning that uh, people need to exercise caution when visiting other games, as death outside of a character's home game is permanent. Because rules. Rules. There's... And I've got to say, how many Sonic the Hedgehog arcade games are there, and do they feature modern-day contemporary Sonic? Because modern-day contemporary Robotnik slash Eggman is in the, the bad guy anonymous meaning. Yes. I don't... Like, I'm trying to remember, because I don't want to say it with authority, because I don't know how many Sonic arcade... If, I'd have, if, if I was a professional, I'd have researched before we came on here. Um, but I was walking the dog. I'm, I'm sure there are a few, but here's the thing that's like there is a, a weird inconsistency with the knowledge of the people in this world um because in this sort of customs argument that he's having uh with the surge protector uh the surge protector asks him for his name and he responds lara croft 
Now, as you'll learn uh, as we go further on into the film, these this, the people in these machines are the characters. They're isolated. They, they yeah, don't have yeah, access to an outside world. How the fuck does he even know who Lara Croft is? That is true. Like she doesn't appear in the game. She doesn't have an arcade machine. Exactly. That's so. There's there's some reference that's thrown in here a little willy nilly without like regard for the. I told you I'm gonna be nitpicking. Like this yeah, is, yeah. The, this is like like we are fully aware that the children watching this children's film won't care. They will laugh at Lara Croft, but we're sat here <laughs> confused and angry. <laughs> Because we are pedants, damn exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, hell, the new arcade machine that got installed, that the, will come up later, they'd never heard of Fix-It Felix. Right. They don't know about the games until they've been in the world and met the games and, and met the characters. So there, there should be no way that Wreck-It Ralph knows who Lara Croft is. No way. <laughs> <sighs> seemingly living in the station outside the entrance to Fix-It Felix Jr. Uh, is Cubert and the cast of his game who are panhandling with a sign indicating that their game has been unplugged. Now, I love, I love this concept that as the machines are taken out of the arcade, the characters who once lived there are now refugees with nowhere yep. to go. There's something so clever and inventive about that idea to me. Um, I just, I really, I really appreciate it. It's yeah, it's so smart. And it, it does beg the question, like, what happens if they don't eat? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Again, I'm, I, I realize that the children <laughs> watching the children's film. Don't have to think about this. But I do. Yeah. I have to think about this. What do they eat? <laughs> do they have sex with it? Can I have kids? Well, I mean, Ralph eats a cherry that he takes from Pac-Man he, and gives... He can eat. Does yeah. he need to eat? It's, it's, it's unclear. He likes to eat. He's interested in how things taste, as we'll learn. Is But I, yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Back in Fix-It Felix Jr., Ralph returns to find a party going on in the penthouse apartment celebrating the game's 30th anniversary, and it's underway without him. He goes and awkwardly pressures Felix into letting him come inside to enjoy a slice of cake, and then immediately begins causing accidental destruction due to yeah. his size and general and It clumsiness. becomes quite, quite um, clear that the, all the NPCs in the game don't like Ralph. Right. Because they don't see anything beyond the badness of his guyness. Right. And I mean he's a, he's a huge inconvenience cuz he breaks everything and he makes all of their lives hell. But you know, I, this really bugs me a little bit that they have this attitude towards him when everybody seems to understand the rules of the world. You know? It does again, yeah. If you're a kid watching the kids film, you won't notice. But I I I get that as well. There is a, a a ludonarrative dissonance <laughs> with the um, film uh, in, in that it is convenient for the narrative that they treat him like a bad guy when it is quite clear that when the arcades close, they're off the clock and just regular people. Right. Uh, but then, but just, it, I guess everyone who lives in Niceville with, I, 
I suppose the exception of Felix to some degree, who's Felix is, doesn't seem like a bad guy at all ever at any point in this. And, you know, he just, but he recognizes that Ralph scares everybody and causes problems. So he's reticent to deal with him more than anything else. But he's, he's never really uh, depicted as someone who is antagonistic to Ralph. No. Um, which is, it, that's interesting. He's a, he's a very greater good character. He, he, he's clearly, he, he seems to think it's for the best that right. Ralph lives in the dump. But everybody else living here there's no excuse they're just a prick wankers total wankers there's there's no reason for them to be this way they know that they're going to wind up in the same start position every time and 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 then they're going to have the resolution of their building being fixed inevitably like this yeah. is their job ah uh, it mm, mm. anyway Yes. Uh, <laughs> Ralph has an altercation with Gene, the uh, penthouse's owner, and uh, this this results in the destruction of the cake. Uh, Ralph doesn't feel he's appreciated on the same level as yeah. Felix, despite despite being as integral to Fix It mm. Felix. Where did they Junior. get the ingredients for a cake? From the game code. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I'm deliberately being a twat. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's never explained. I mean, they, if the apartments have all of the things that apartments should have, in theory, between five or six of them, you should be able to have enough ingredients to make a cake. Where do they get the ingredients? Is there a store? Not that we're ever seen. No. Uh, not, this not, film's not bullshit. The, the, uh, Niceville seems to consist only of this apartment building and a nicely manicured strip of road in front of it, and the dump. The dump. Where the stump? Where his stump is. Uh, and 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 as bad guys go too, Wreck It Ralph isn't a bad guy. He's a guy who you know he was gentrified out of his neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which this film tells us, ultimately, is something we need to accept and enjoy. Oh my god, this movie is terrible. <laughs> what have we done? I know. <laughs> Ralph, right, <coughs> nominally the protagonist, is portrayed as wrong for wanting more. From the outset, the things he wants to do are dangerous. Him he, wanting he is, to break his code is going turbo. He's seen as sick. Sick, yeah. The 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 residents, um, although fairly portrayed as assholes, ultimately are proven right. Um, <laughs> in that, you know, him wanting to change his his status is a bad God thing. God damn it! The game All right, is. okay. So, so as you say, he's been gentrified. He's had his stump thrown into the fucking town dump so that they can build a, an apartment complex for rich weirdos, and <laughs> and the message is, don't fight it. Uh, we live here now. San Francisco is fine. Don't question what happens there. Well, Ralph declares that, that he's going to show them all by yes. winning a medal of his own. And Gene says, well, you know, if you could do that, pff, we'll not, you know, just be nice to you. You can have the penthouse. And so that's, that's, the, that's the score. And Ralph goes to visit Tapper. 
the the character from Root Beer Tapper, whose uh, machine is where everybody goes for drinks after the arcade closes at night. Um, Tapper doesn't really have a lead on a medal for him, but offers to let him rifle through his lost and found, and, and there's some comedy to be had there. References. He picks up an exclamation mark and it goes, ring, like Metal Gear Solid. That doesn't have an arcade machine! That uh, just hit me! There might have been some... Does it have that exclamation mark and that noise? Well, if it were a Metal Gear Solid... Metal Gear, if, if hang it were on. Metal Gear Solid, it would. Metal Gear Solid arcade. I don't need people to correct me in the comments and have us forget to ever mention the corrections again like they have with half a dozen things on this show. Sure, sure. Metal Gear Solid Arcade. Right. Okinawa. Yeah. Alright. Hang on, I'm watching it. It's all in Japanese. Of course. Because it's in Okinawa. It's, uh... It's a shooter. Uh-huh. It's like an on-rails. Not seeing any exclamation marks. Right, hang on. Metal Gear Arcade. Right. <laughs> Metal Gear Arcade is a game developed by Kojima Productions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, announced in 2009. Uh, Coin-op iteration of Metal Gear Online. Special interface used with 3D goggles. It's in 3D. It was removed from many arcades due to lack of popularity. Go figure. And it was released in Japan. Would not be in that arcade. No, no. They'd have never encountered it. How, 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 would, how would Snake have gotten a tapper? Fuck this pro-gentrification propaganda film that doesn't understand that that arcade needs to be set in Okinawa for that exclamation mark to be there. And it, and, and it is clearly, clearly not set in Okinawa with all the round eyes there. I mean, it is totally populated by white, middle-class kids. Devils. Yeah. Who probably gentrified wherever they're living. Son of a bitch. Fuck me. You know the place is in a strip mall, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, how many how many fucking poverty line houses do they have to bulldoze to build that? Three, I bet. At mm -hmm. least. Criminal. It's a kid's film for kids. <sighs> so uh while um Ralph is searching through this lost and found at Tappers, he encounters a space marine who is suffering a serious case of shell shock from a week of climbing a building and fighting bugs for a lousy metal. This sounds like a square deal to Ralph, who, and, and after a cockroach appears on Ralph's shoulder and causes the space marine to pass out, Ralph steals the poor bastard's armor and heads for his game, Hero's Duty, uh, tripping over Cubert on the way. As an eager Ralph joins his fellow marines, a girl plays the, re pays the ridiculous sum of $2 to play Hero's Duty. Uh, which we learn is an on-rails shooter. Uh, this triggers a quarter alert, which tells the characters of the game to move to their starting positions. Mm -hmm. And we're introduced to Commander Jane Lynch. I, I, I'm sure she has a name. She did. I tried to remember it because it's mentioned at one point and then I forgot. I don't recall hearing it. It, it is just Jane Lynch. The several but it is. This character is literally Jane Lynch put into Space Marine armor. Um, as we all know, Jane Lynch has a, an extensive uh, military uh, background fighting uh, extraterrestrial threats on alien worlds. Um, and so this really was not a stretch for her acting no. wise. No. Um, this, this is just what, this is very natural. They basically wrote Jane Lynch the character here. Um, she arrives to lead and inspire the first person shooter 
which is a robot that acts as the camera for the player playing the game. Uh, that's a cute conceit, and I just really wanted to point it out. That's a pretty clever way of representing how that would work in the context of this sort of live action gameplay that exists in this world. Adorable. Anyway. Yeah. As the doors open on a green hellscape swarming with robotic insects, or cybugs, as called by Commander Jane Lynch, Ralph appears to realize he was ill-prepared for this. Uh, he flails wildly across the battlefield, allows his gun to be eaten by a cybug, right after Commander Jane Lynch explained how cybugs turned th into things that they eat, and the cybug sprouts two guns, and, and more comedy ensues. Eventually, Ralph freaks out on the first-person shooter and causes the player to lose. As the game ends, a bright light is emitted from the tower, which draws all the cybugs to their destruction, and the deceased Space Marines respawn and head back to the start position. Ralph opts instead to head directly to the tower in search of his medal. Back at the arcade, the girl who lost at Hero's Duty uh, decides to try at fi fi I'm stuttering now to try Fixit Felix Jr. instead. Uh, but when the game starts, Ralph doesn't show up to wreck the building. Uh, this sort of freaks out the, the citizens of Niceville, but they, they just sort of stick to the program, uh, and Felix is left with nothing to fix. Um, Felix tries to, to go find Ralph at the dump, but he's not there, and the player sees the chaos on screen, and, and as Felix moves, the, the joystick is moving of its own accord, which is kind of strange and cute in its own right, the, the thought that that would have that effect on the machine. It doesn't seem particularly consistent, but it's a cute thing, at any rate. Um, the, the girl sees this chaos on screen and shows, shows it to the arcade's owner, who laments that it may be time to retire Fix-It Felix Jr. and puts an orange out-of-order sign on the display. Now, the characters inside observe this with horror, as a, like an orange wave sort of sunsets over their lives, and they are terrified that they'll, they'll be unplugged. Uh, around this time, Cubert arrives on the train and informs Felix that Ralph has gone to Hero's duty. Fucking rat. I know, seriously. Snitches get stitches, Cubert. And yeah, after everything Ralph has done for him. Exactly, he gave him a bit of a fruit from Pac-Man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> on on uh, Felix's arrival at Hero's duty, he's greeted with gunfire from Commander Jane Lynch and then becomes smitten by her high-definition visuals. This may be the only time, I think, people have immediately looked at, had looked at Jane Lynch and had a love-at-first-sight moment. Like, I love her professionally, not classically beautiful. You know what I mean? It, she has a raw attitude that she does. I find... She romantically has, compelling. She has, I mean, she has some, she's, she's a, a hard-nosed, sharp-featured, but she's someone I'd have to, like, start to love. Like, I'd have to talk to first. Love at first sight, I wouldn't to see. To be fair, the, the, I mean, the, the, uh, the character as designed is, is very attractive. I, I think I she think looks so. just like Jane Lynch. Well. With slightly larger eyes. Well, that's if that's what possible. I think of Jane Lynch. <laughs> As he's, as Felix is explaining to Commander Jane Lynch why he's in their game, there is a disturbance in the tower. Uh, Ralph's reached the top chamber, and after carefully avoiding dozens of cybug eggs littering the floor, he collects the hero's medal and is praised by General Allstate Insurance Representative. 
Alas, he steps on one of the eggs, causing it to hatch a small bug that immediately latches on Ralph's face, causing him to stumble into an escape pod that flies out of control, out of Hero's Duty, through Game Central Station, and into Sugar Rush, a racing game uh, for kids where it crashes, ejecting Ralph and the Cybug. Ralph lands in a candy cane tree, the Cybug drowns in a pool of what seems like liquid taffy. In the crash, Ralph has lost the medal. He sees it hanging from a nearby tree, and as he climbs to retrieve it, he encounters an annoying little girl who, upon seeing the medal herself, decides she wants it and takes it, leaving Ralph to fall into Taffy below. Uh, now, this is the, the first sort of introduction of, um, of this girl character who is the lead, played by Sarah Silverman. What do you think of, of her in this? In this? Yeah. I think... There is something anomalous about her because everything about that character should be skin-crawlingly, obnoxiously awful and unwatchable. Yeah, I agree. And somehow, I find the character kind of adorable. Yeah, it, it, it straddles the line so carefully to make mm -hmm. something that, in spite of what you know in your mind should just be infuriating, is actually endearing. Yeah, I mean, Silverman's putting on, like, the full bore, 100%, foot-on-the-pedal, bratty kid voice. And I don't know whether it's the writing backing it up, but there's just... There is a wittiness to it, it I that think makes me like the character. It's a combination despite... of the writing, I think, and the way in which she is animated. Because yeah. she... They... they the animation in this, and we haven't talked about this at all yet, but the animation in this is fantastic. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, the the character, very expressive, very expressive, and very appropriate uh, for the 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 character the characterizations. You know, here you as you you pay attention to it, uh, you notice like Ralph um, is blocky. You know his his. Fingers are basically ending in flat squares. Yeah. Um, yeah. They to, did a very good job of that, of, of making the characters look like they belong in different games, but and, thematically, you know, artistically consistent. And you look, but you look at, at, at uh, just the characters in Fix It Felix Jr. You have Ralph yeah. and you have Felix, and they are both very fluidly animated throughout the entire film, but everybody else who lives there. And you'll notice this of a lot of other bat background and bit players throughout the movie. They have far fewer frames of animation. Mm -hmm. Befitting their status as secondary players and, and therefore not afforded the same art attention. Yeah, they don't... The game doesn't give them enough frames of animation to be fluid. Right. Because they're not important. It, and, and so it's little things like that that I think make this film so effective because it is it's it's believable in spite of all of the the things that we are we are finding that just don't make sense about this world the fact that they went to such care to present these kinds of details uh in a way that you would never really think about it i don't think unless you were paying too much attention unless you were an adult who is at a kids movie and desperate for something to entertain you, um, and and I don't understand how you wouldn't be entertained uh, entertained by the the writing and performances 
here, but that's possible, I assume. I think it's possible to write it off. But when you look at how well thought out uh, the animation is, it's, it's easy to forget a lot of the other faults. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's, I guess, we, that's, that's our introduction to, to Sarah Silverman here. Uh, back at uh, Game Central Station, Felix and Commander Jane Lynch are on Ralph's trail. And Commander Jane Lynch explains the threat that a rogue cybug represents, as the creatures have no higher logic or sentience. They exist only to consume and breed within Piro's duty. Left unchecked, they'll quickly overrun Sugar Rush, and then spread all throughout the games in the arcade, uh, like a virus. After commenting on the grim attitude of Commander Jane Lynch, Felix learns of the depressing backstory she's been programmed with, in which her fiancé was killed by cybugs on their wedding day. That's grim. It's very grim. Mm -hmm. Now, the citizens of Sugar Rush have gathered following the closing of the arcade for the night to determine which racers will be available for players to select the next day by way of a qualifying race. And this is led by King Candy, who's the... Uh, what do you call the monarch? He's the monarch of, yeah. of Sugar Rush. He I was, rules over the... I should have just asked you. Your people still have one of those. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, really I useful. know them personally. I know all the you know, Well, yeah. Well, yeah, you all you know all of them. Everybody from Britain knows each other. It's a small yeah. island. Tiny. Smaller <laughs> than a thumb, than a boy's thumb. <laughs> uh, so the racers each have to pay an entrance fee of a gold coin to participate in this race. And it's the, a weird system. It is a strange system. Uh, you have to have one at some point in order to be allowed to... Uh, have a chance to win in the future. Which makes no sense. Mm, but it, it does... Because if you lose, and you don't have any more coins, you can never be selected as a playable character uh, again. But you see, that falls all within this sort of thematic undercurrent of, you know, the people at the bottom need to stay at the bottom. And the people That's at true. top, you know... Yeah. I mean, this, can you imagine uh, the wage disparity... You know, the, the, the income inequality that would exist and spread under such a system. You know, as people win more and more races and, you know, get all these gold coins but only have to pay one to enter but continue to be afforded the opportunity yeah. to earn more and more, uh, people who are less fortunate and don't have all of the advantages of those races get, inevitably get left behind, so to speak. I'm so glad we do not live in a world where that happens. It, it would be tragic. Yeah. Absolutely The idea that tragic. the rich just get richer and, and the people being shat on down below have to stay where they are, like, I... Thanks. That's disgusting. Thank God this is a fantasy. Yes. The last in the line to pay to enter the race is the annoying girl Ralph previously encountered, uh, who uses his hero's medal to pay the fee. And she's revealed to be Vanellope Von Schweetz, uh, which... Uh, Everyone is sort of freaked out by. Uh, she's mercilessly mocked by the other racers for being a glitch. And the uh, king calls security to, to cart her off. It's at this time that Ralph, covered in green taffy and bits of other things he's collected on his way to this place, arrives to reclaim his medal from Vanellope, and a hilarious chase resulting in wanton destruction of property ensues. Wreck-It Ralph is always wrecking things. Always wrecking things. He can't help but wreck things. It's what he do. It's the thing it he's is good at. It what he do. Forever. Ralph gets trapped in a cupcake, uh, allowing Vanellope to escape, and Ralph is taken to King Candy's castle, 
which is guarded by chanting Oreo cookies, a fine Nabisco product, Nabisco, America's favorite food company. After being detaffied and identified, Ralph tells King Candy about his medal. And after asking if Ralph has gone turbo, bringing up this turbo thing again that we have yet to have explained to the audience, uh, he becomes enraged at the possibility that Ralph might attempt to take over Sugar Rush. Um, King Candy deduces that Vanellope must have used the medal to enter the race, and that it will be nothing but code until the race is run, so Ralph's pretty much out of luck. He then orders his guards to remove Ralph from the cupcake and leaves, but Ralph escapes and hides in a lake of chocolate. Free again, Ralph finds and follows these other races, other racers. I called them racists. Oh my god. They probably are. Well, they probably are, but I mean, they're really... crony capitalist system they're, they're in. They're really more classist, I think, yeah. uh, than anything. Often goes hand in hand. Sure, Let's sure. Let's not beat about no, the bush. No, the George Bush. Classism is, is, is racism by another name. You're right. It is. You're right. Uh, Smash the state is what this. Sh- the, the, this is what the the the, the spin off doctors has always been leading to. Right. Is, yeah. As I say, let's smash the state. It's a rallying please. cry for revolution. That's what yes, this show is. Yes. Toxic masculinity is a real thing. Let's let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph uh, fights the other racers, uh, hoping to convince them to have the winner return his medal when the race is concluded, and he sees them confronting Vanellope. Uh, and uh, trying to intimidate her out of the race, saying that the king won't allow a glitch to race for everyone's protection. And as she's yeah. being abused, you can see her sort of uh, you know, pixely glitching in and out of, 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 I guess, cohesion, is what you'd say. Yeah. Um, it, it's The glitch thing is interesting. Um, and I had something to say about it, and now I can't. Oh, uh, there is a great, there is a great line. One of my two favorite lines, probably in this entire film, uh, where she says, "I, I'm, I'm not a glitch. I just have pixlexia." Yeah. And and I. Bit I, of wordplay. Not it's not just a bit of wordplay. I I think that that's a a kind of. Um, it's a thing that real kids would feel, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a kid with dyslexia who's not doing so hot in school, they do get picked on. And they, you know, there was yeah, definitely yeah. a time for a long time uh, where, and, and I don't know to, to what extent this still goes on, but those those kids were shunned by the other kids in class and would wind up in, you know, that classroom down the hall eventually that, you know, that 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 oh, it's so it, it's kind of sad in a way, mm-hmm. and, it, and I really love that they put that in there. Um, it, that was a really smart addition. That's a good read on it, yeah. Um. So, Ralph chases off these mean girls, uh, so that he can be confrontational with Vanellope himself. Uh, though she's not in any position to help him now that her car, which was never going to win anything ever anyway, is completely destroyed this drives ralph into a rage so fierce that he breaks a jawbreaker with his fists and this impresses vanellope and gives her an idea as to how ralph could help her get back into the race and a sort of uneasy alliance is formed between the two speaking of uneasy alliances felix and commander jane lynch are looking for the rogue cybug and talking about ralph 
who Felix fears has gone turbo, a term that finally someone other than the audience is unfamiliar with, as Commander Jane Lynch's game, Hero's Duty has only been in the arcade for a week, thus allowing Felix adequate excuse to explain it for the audience's benefit. Um, turbo, Felix recounts, was the hero of Turbo Time, the most popular game in the arcade until Road Blasters arrived, which should date this for people and, and explain how uh, kind of old Turbo would have to be. Uh, Road Blasters is a, is a mid-80s game. Jealous of the attention Road Blasters has taken from him, Turbo left his game and tried to take control of the Road Blasters machine, resulting in both machines being put out of order and unplugged. Um, this leads Commander Jane Lynch to say my other favorite line in this movie. The selfish man is like a mangy dog chasing a cautionary tale. Whoever wrote that has got to be so goddamn proud of that line for no real good reason, but I appreciate it. Because that's fucking wordplay right there. That's some fine, fine wordplay that an equally... I want this guy to know. An equally self-satisfied writer saw what you did and appreciated it. So as the story wraps up, the duo fall from a candy cane into a pool of powdered Nesquik sand, a product of Nestle. Nestle, good food, good life. What follows is a stupid physical comedy gag in which Commander Jane Lynch repeatedly disfigures Felix with punches while Felix repairs his face with his hammer, all to make Laffy Taffy by Willy Wonka Candy Company. Yeah. Willy Wonka, what will he think of next? Amused <laughs> enough to pull them out. Can I just say really like that scene. Do you? I really like that scene. I like that scene too, but it is, I mean, it's dumb physical comedy. I, I like it, f I don't like it for the comedy. No? You, you just like the idea of, oh my god, you're I, just fantasizing about Jane Lynch smacking you in the face. A little bit. Like, <laughs> it's, and there's a bit earlier in the film as well, when she's got the hoverboard, and Felix wants to go with her, and she relents, and just clicks her Finger like snaps a finger and then points without even looking at him, telling sorry I hit the mic, telling him to get on. Yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, woof yeah. woof, woof, yes, ma'am. <laughs> she she does a lot for me in this film. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, so as they're lifted to safety by the Laffy Taffy, Commander Jane Lynch and Felix look into each other's eyes, and it seems for the briefest of moments that maybe, just maybe, she could love again. And then she gets all self-conscious about it and ruins the moment with her gut. On a more ominous note, the cybug is seen moving through a tunnel underground where it eats a bit of root and becomes all candy-colored. Now, Vanellope has Ralph wreck the door to a cart bakery where racing carts are manufactured by way of a series of mini-games that Vanellope's terrible at. But Ralph manages to mitigate some of the damage, and the result, while ugly, is still better than anything Vanellope had before because it actually has an engine. Yeah. While they're signing it, uh, signing their work, very proud of themselves, King Candy gets wind of their presence at the bakery and arrives to capture them. Ralph and Vanellope hop onto the cart to escape, but sadly, Vanellope doesn't actually know how to drive it, which forces Ralph to propel the cart by dragging his hands along the ground, like an, like the ape man he is, and yeah, the fucking scum. knuckle dragger. The odd couple are chased until Vanellope directs Ralph through a secret passage in the wall of Diet Cola Mountain. 
to an unfinished stage where Vanellope has been living, surrounded by trash and near a hot spring of diet soda with formations of Mentos, Mentos, stay fresh, hanging above. Now, Ralph learns that not only has Vanellope been rejected by the people in her game as well, but she's unable to leave Sugar Rush because glitches aren't able to leave their games for reasons. Yep. Moved by her sorry situation, Ralph punches the ground to form a track and decides to help Vanellope learn to drive in a training montage. Time for music! She gets pretty good at it, eventually, but her glitchy nature nearly causes her to blow up the entire mountain when she sideswipes the fixture of Mentos. Uh, King Candy, unable to find Vanellope and Ralph, opens a vault in his castle to access the code for Sugar Rush. Uh, he, this is using the Konami code so that, you know, people who are over the age of 30 uh, will have a joke for themselves, just for them. Just for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just sad. Uh, finding the code for Ralph's hero medal in amongst the interconnected bits of information inside this game and he claims it for himself and it rematerializes around the king's neck satisfied with this king candy leaves the castle in the hands of his assistant sour bill who i love sour bill he is good sour bill's great he does not get enough time in this film not in it enough not in it enough i agree um now flying over sugar rush in a spaceship felix calls commander jane lynch a dynamite gal Triggering a post-traumatic stress episode, as it's the same expression her deceased fiancé used to describe her. I did like that, the, the dynamite gal montage. I did find that quite amusing. That was quite well done. Uh, and she drops Felix off without any explanation near King Candy's castle and flies off. Uh, Felix goes knocking at the palace looking for Ralph, but finds Sour Bill, who decides to lock Felix in the fungin, as he should have... Uh, or as should have happened to Ralph in the first place and would have prevented a lot of this mess. Um, now, as Vanellope and Ralph are about to leave for the qualifying race, Vanellope runs back home to get something she's forgotten, and while Ralph's waiting, he's approached by King Candy, who returns the hero's medal and tries to encourage Ralph to talk Vanellope out of competing in the race, saying if that if she were to win and players were able to select her, they might discover her glitch and decide that the game is broken leading to its eventual unplugging from the arcade. And as Vanellope is a glitch and cannot leave the game, she would die alone there while everyone else escaped to safety in Game Central Station. Uh, so, that's tragic. Like, that's... and, and uh, Pretty good writing, actually. Uh, I, I was pleased with this scene. Um, after King Candy leaves... Vanellope returns with the, a gift of a medal that she made for Ralph out of a cookie as a, you know, hey, in case we don't win sort of situation. And though torn by the guilt, Ralph still tries to talk Vanellope out of the race, and then failing that, hangs her from a lollipop and wrecks the cart that they made to prevent her from going through with it. Yeah. Non-fatal. He hangs her by her clothes, I should point out. Yes. He doesn't, oh, yeah, he yes. Doesn't, he doesn't hang. This isn't a lynching. <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a Commander Jane lynching. Uh, nice. Thank you. Proud of that. Now, Ralph, with his medal in hand, returns to the penthouse at Felix at Fix It Felix Jr., only to find it empty except for Gene, who tells him that everyone else has already abandoned the game because of Ralph's actions. 
leaving him alone to stare at the out-of-order sign on the display window. In anger, he throws the hero's medal at the screen, and the sign is disturbed, which I love that. I love that there's a physical screen and that they can yeah. affect it. So good. Uh, allowing him to see the sugar rush cabinet on the other side of the arcade, where he observes that Vanellope is depicted on the side. This leads Ralph to confront Sour Bill uh, and threatens to eat him unless he tells him what's going on. Bill reveals that King Candy attempted to delete Vanellope's code from the game entirely, but was unsuccessful, and nobody has any memory as to why, as all of the citizens of Sugar Rush have had their memories locked away by the king. But he does know that the game will reset if Vanellope crosses the finish line and make her into a real racer again, and that she's being held in the king's fungeon with Felix. Mm-hmm. Commander Jane Lynch discovers where the cybug's been breeding, in a cavern that's utterly filled with eggs. And meanwhile, Felix is trying to wreck the bars on his window uh, in the fungin cell, but he just winds up making them stronger, because he can't help but fix things. It's yeah, he adorable. has that whole, why, why, why must I fix everything I touch? <laughs> it's a good, good line. Yeah. Uh, it, at this point, Ralph breaks through the wall of the cell with Vanellope's broken cart and asks Felix to fix it. Though initially resistant, Felix comes around as he realizes that his horrible experience somewhat mirrors what Ralph has gone through for the last 30 fucking years. Yep. And agrees when Ralph promises to never to be a good guy again. Ralph brings the repaired cart to Vanellope and she forgives him. The race starts without her, but she quickly begins to make up ground, knocking out other racers one by one. Uh, a few of the sort of alpha girl racers attempt to work together to stop her, but this causes her to glitch uncontrollably and, and results in their own crash, uh, eliminating the, the three girls and leaving just her and King Candy left in the race. Now, Commander Jane Lynch confronts Ralph with the knowledge of the cybug infestation, and all of a sudden the bugs bust out of the ground and shit goes to hell. And Commander Jane Lynch starts to evacuate all the civilians back to Game Central Station, intending to close off uh, e the exit and trap the cybugs in the game, uh, thus saving the rest of the arcade. Now, Ralph... Uh, I'm sorry, I, I got lost there for a second. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to edit it, so no, you better be no, quick about getting yeah, back on right, track. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Vanellope and King Candy, the only two left in the race, uh, are, are going at it toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and King Candy sort of locks up her cart and starts trying to destroy it with his cane. And as they fight, Vanellope starts to glitch out, which causes King Candy to glitch in response, revealing him to be none other than Turbo... Which I thought was a really nice, like, it's one that potentially you could see coming, but the reveal of it is very nice. Yeah, it's, it was well revealed, and, and I, I, didn't re I didn't put it together, which I almost always put that shit together in yeah. movies. I think when I first saw it in the movie theater, I think it was, a, it was a very nicely done surprise. Yeah, it was one of those situations where I saw it and I was like, I, I should have picked up on that. Well executed. Yep. Good for you, Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, though it appears as though Vanellope will be forced to crash by Turbo, she uses her glitching ability to escape death at the last minute, but sadly too late to cross the finish line as the Cybugs have already devoured it. And another of the Cybugs devours Turbo. 
With everybody else escaped, Felix, Ralph, Vanellope, and Commander Jane Lynch prepare to leave and close off access. But, as a glitch, Vanellope's trapped inside, and Commander Jane Lynch says there's no way to wipe out the Cybugs without a beacon. This inspires Ralph, who, said, who heads to Diet Soda Mountain and tries to wreck the Mentos, Mentos, the Freshmaker, layer, and cause it to erupt. After a brief altercation with Turbo, who is now a huge, disgusting Cybug, he manages to succeed, though sacrificing himself. Vanellope comes to his rescue, saving him from certain death by glitching her cart through the unfinished stage inside Diet Soda Mountain and catching him. As Diet Soda Mountain erupts, he lures all the cybugs, including Turbo, to their deaths. Ralph lands in chocolate. And I've got to say again, the, the, the death scene of Turbo was also really well Very done. satisfying. Of yeah. him, um, like, like, the Turbo side of him resisting the lure of the... The bright well, theme and, and the King Candy side, like, drawn to it, like, as a bug. And, like, it was just very well done. And earlier, you were um, drawing the comparison between this movie and uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. This yeah. scene is a spectacular... The death scene is a great example of that comparison. Because mm. it is it is so close in tone and execution to the Judge Doom death yeah. At the end of, uh, of of Who Framed Roger... Oh my god, this movie's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Holy fuck! It is! This movie literally is Who Framed Roger Rabbit with a <laughs> a more um, 1% message. Yes. Fuck me. It is, yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit via Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> American Tune. Smash the state, everyone. <laughs> God, people were people were upset about the quote unquote SJW content in our Mortal Kombat podcast. Oh, they're gonna yeah, they're gonna they're gonna hate this. <laughs> uh, Ralph lands in chocolate and now decides that he likes it. Yeah, Felix Felix and Commander Lynch get their freak on, and Vanellope is pushed across the repaired finish line, turning her into the princess she was always intended to be and restoring Sugar Rush to its former glory, along with the memories of its citizens and racers. Horrified at how they've treated her, the other racers grovel at her feet, uh, but Vanellope rejects her royal role and institutes a constitutional democracy in Sugar Rush so that she can continue to be a racer. Now, it's not, I think, because she cares about the people of Sugar Rush so much as that she wants to race and not be bothered with ruling the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, she still wants to be president, but but I think she wants to make everybody else have to deal with all the responsibility crap. That's it. She wants to hold on to her power without again again like like hammering on the major theme of the film. Uh, she wants to hold on to her power without doing anything to earn or you know earn it. Mm. And and she says that it's an institutional democracy, even though she is coded to be in charge forever, um, creating an illusion of democracy when in fact crony capitalism rules the roost. Which you know. That that just goes to show you she's she's symbolic of the establishment basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's. Uh... I mean, the very fact that she was a victim of the status quo, and and then now and now and now it. elevated, it yeah. rather than actually doing you know and, and putting everyone on an even playing field. You know, she's going to take advantage of her ability to glitch, you know, yes. which gives her an unfair advantage against all of the other racers. 
to to win endlessly and yeah. and maintain her stranglehold. Consolidate her power. Yeah. It's and, uh, and presumably the old um, economy is still in place. Oh no so doubt. She is she is like the top one percent with ninety nine percent of candy <laughs> candy rushes wealth. Ralph and Felix return home and with I tell you what, Candy Rush needs to feel the pain. <laughs> Ralph and Felix return home, and with Fix-It Felix working again, Fix-It Felix Jr. working again, the out-of-order sign is removed. The other citizens of the game are now treating Ralph better. Uh, and Ralph invites some of the refugees from Game Central Station to appear in bonus levels, which has breathed new life into the game, as the kids now call it retro. Yeah. As the, um, shall we say, as the homeless people on the poverty line are exploited for their labor. <laughs> <laughs> oh god and I mean that's, that's pretty much Wreck-It Ralph that's Wreck-It Ralph it ends with a fantastic credit sequence it, it does doesn't it it's a really nice end credit sequence with all the game cameos and and, and, and stuff that's in it it's really nice yeah it's but I mean that's yeah that's the movie that's it yeah that's Wreck-It Ralph and, and you know ending I, with that message of Go back to where you belong and be happy with it. Mm. Mm. That's grim. That's Disney. So, Conrad, did you like Wreck It Ralph or not? I like it less now that we've done this show. <laughs> <laughs> we did ruin it. <laughs> Um, that's, that's kind of, yeah. I feel bad if it. you didn't take our advice at the start of the show and have not seen Wreck-It Ralph already, I, I apologize. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry it's your that. own damn fault because we did try to warn you. Yeah, we, we said, like, watch it first because we said we'd nitpick and, and, and everything. And we did. I, it went in directions I wasn't expecting it to because <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking about any of this till we started talking about it in detail. Um, but that is kind of, like, it's got, if you choose to look at it that way, uh, which I do now, um, it's got some worrying messages. Well, it's, it's a lot like Pokemon the first movie. And that's, what is with these films that we're making that are supposed to be written for children that have a, a, an underlying message that, that, that's bad for everyone. Well, let's just say, I mean, it's it's a bad message, but it's honest. Well, I, get the I kids get prepared that. for the world that, that they're going to be growing up into. But but it's um, but it's not it's not presented in a way that that suggests that it's at all bad. It's it's no. it is um, it it's encouraging people to uh, find the little box that they belong in and stay there forever, and. And and it's 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 almost indoctrinating, with how kind of subtle and and effective that that message, yeah, is. Well, ultimately, it's that age old thing that kids are taught in a lot of media, which is be yourself. But the more I think about that whole be yourself message, it's 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 be what you're expected to be. Be yourself means don't change, don't try and get better, don't. Don't fix it, because we are telling you it ain't broke. 
And that's that's been a running theme in a lot of, of kids' movies and TV shows and books. I wonder, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, I try not to be one of those, you know, what effect does media have on our kids' people? Because A, I don't have kids. I don't have plans to have kids. And I don't see that to be my problem. You know, it's, entertainment is entertainment. If people like it, that's fine. They can go out and consume it and enjoy it or, or, or whatever. But I have to wonder, to some extent, we've always been so worried about the negative messages that we are uh, presenting to kids in terms of, of violence and graphic content and the impact that that is supposed to conceivably have on them. And, and the research has never been strong that it does. But I, I, I have to wonder if maybe we shouldn't be taking a harder look at these movies that have ostensibly positive messages for kids and, and sort of think, is this, pos this so-called positive message we're delivering really what we want to be telling kids? Because I, yeah. it, this is a, a film where a main character has an aspirational goal and the resolution of the aspirational goal is to not aspire. Yeah, don't have don't have that goal. It will ruin everything for everyone if you try and elevate yourself. Like like, I'm still trying to be facetious. I know, but I'm also believing my own shit. Right, as I say it, like it does have that. It does have that message. It's still a really good fun film. Yes, but that message is there. Holy shit, we've turned this fun kids film into something dire. We are bad people. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm still, I've still got my tongue in my cheek with a lot of it. Right. But, but wow, when you really look, when you really look at it. Yeah. It... I've got some corrections, by the way. Mm. I'm going to talk about the, uh, the characters at Bad or Not. Okay. Uh, the, the support group with all of the bad guys in it. Um... In that support group scene, we have... I did not know he was in there. Where is he? I don't see him in Badalon, but apparently the Neff, the bad guy from Mortal Beast, is in there. Maybe that's the... That's the Rhino! Oh my god, that's right. That's the final yeah. form of... Oh, uh, of Neff, of course! Well, and, and you... I, I knew that Altered Beast was in the arcade because yeah, it's, it it's shown on a ticker. And I was like, you know, that's another thing that I didn't, I, I had thought about addressing in this. How does this fucking arcade stay in business? <laughs> 30 years this goddamn arcade's been in business? How is that yeah. possible? They leave the machines on all night. The power bills have got to be obscene. Sorry. Ruby is just really rich. Sorry, I was yawning yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping you'd talk some more. <laughs> yeah, no. So I could get over it. I just, uh, um, I can't, I, I don't understand. So, yeah, the characters in Bad or Not. Satine, uh, Satan, now which, slash Satan. Which, Satine is from specifically something, or is he just... Doesn't have a specific game. Okay. Um, looking at the wiki, the Wreck-It Ralph wiki, because everything has a fucking wiki... Um, possibly based off Satan from the game Satan's Hollow. Okay. I'm not it's familiar with it. It's uh, impossible. The ninja who's in there, there is a ninja in there. There is. Is called Shinobi, but it's not 
I'm guessing it's not Shinobi from the Shinobi games. Well, because Shinobi's, Shinobi's the good guy. The good guy. Yeah. Um, according to the wiki, he's based off Smoke from Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Okay. Some of this feels like it's stretching, but okay, I'm with you. Yeah. Speaking of which, I was right. Uh, Kano is called Cyborg, and he is supposedly based off Kano from Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Okay. Uh, which would, I guess, lend credence, more credence to the idea that Shinobi is based off Smoke. Um, what else did we have issues with? Uh, I don't know who the yellow guy... There's a yellow robot guy in there, and I don't uh, think yeah, that's supposed uh, yes, to be. Yes, that is... It's called... 1011001, the character. Apparently, it's based off the yellow robot from the game Cyborg Justice. Wow. Uh, I'm looking at a screenshot of Cyborg Justice, and yeah. They are really. Yeah. They're, they Looks they, like it. That's a deep. That's a yeah. deep cut. That's um, impressive. Yeah, that, that is. Yeah, I, I've not played Cyborg I, Justice. I, you know, I, bet I bet the only people who knew what that was were on the production team. Of this film. There is a uh, sorceress in Badenon. That's the, the, the pale yes. lady with the blue hair. Um, speculated to be based on Michela from Shining Force. But, uh, oh no, no, it was, that was disproven by the fact her name is listed as sorceress. And her original design was supposed to have wings. Hmm. So we, uh, we're not sure who she is. Uh, but she was supposed to have wings, but they took it out uh, so that she could fit in the chair in the scene. I see. So there you go. The zombie is... Um, he's a House of the of, Dead zombie. Not officially. But but you know, he's got the hatchets. He's a House but of the Dead is, zombie. He is based off the character Cyril. I guess the zombies have names. Cyril from House of the Dead. What? What do you yeah. mean? What do you mean the zombies have names? Apparently that... Apparently the double-act zombie, which, you know, I've always thought was just a fucking zombie, is uh, Cyril. You learn something every day, I guess. Yeah, so... Huh. Uh, oh, I've got some facts. Oh, There's some trivia. I love trivia. Dr. Wiley was originally going to be in Badenon. And you see, I'd have taken that. I'd have loved yeah. that. He was cut and replaced with Shinobi. Oh, now, it's, now I'm angry. Because there's yeah. nothing... Shinobi brings nothing to the table. He just looks like a ninja. Like, so what? Ninjas are stock enemies. Give me, give me, give me that sweet Wiley. I mean, what were they, were they afraid that he was gonna like outshine Robotnik, who, by the way, yeah. is is pretty well well represented in here, like visually, yeah. he looks good. Doesn't speak. No. Apparently, none of the the characters have voice actors. In none of the ones that don't explicitly have lines have voice actors. The character models are lip syncing when they all do the pledge, mm. the bad and non pledge. Uh, M Bison is the only member of Badenon who is actually voiced by his video game voice actor. Wow. That's interesting. There you go. All the other ones have been voiced by someone else, or they are silent. So, you know, the Zangief voice actor is, is just an unrelated actor, not the one from the game. You know, there, well, there aren't, there aren't a lot of, of those characters who even... of the licensed characters who even speak at all. Like, it's Zangief and... Um, yeah, you, know, you get the, the little exchange with the zombie and 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 Kano, but those are yeah not really that important. Uh, Clyde speaks, but Clyde's voice has never been attributed to anything that I'm aware of, so it's not like they had to do anything to sort of maintain yeah. a, a continuity there. Um, that's um, pretty much about... it, isn't it? In terms of 
video game characters with speaking lines that are from other yeah. properties. I think that's... Oh, and Sonic. Yeah. Which they couldn't get Sonic's... They couldn't get Jaleel White to do that, or... Uh, he, he, I think he may have been. Oh, was the, it This him? is specifically to the bad announcing. Okay. Um, also, there's a reason why Zangief is in the meeting as a villain. Apparently that is some self-insert, um, I guess, fanfic from the director... Apparently, Rich Moore like struggled to beat him as a car- as a as a child when he played Street Fighter Two. Oh. so he put him in as a villain, basically as a fuck you to Zangief. Well, that so he considers him a villain because he was his enemy. That was not one of the two choices of injustice I had in mind. Uh, there was a third injustice to choose from. That's great. So yeah, that that that's interesting. Um, also. Uh, I should, um, to, to address some other issues I had, when I mentioned uh, Dr. Robotnik and Sonic being in there, mm-hmm. uh, it is specifically mentioned that, at least on the, the wiki, that the game they are representing is Sonic the Fighters. Oh. So, yeah. So there, you, there go. you go. There you go. There I go. Yeah, I, I was pretty sure there had, it, it seemed almost impossible with as big a, a, a brand as Sonic had once been that no arcade game was attempted during that period where there was a resurgence in the 90s for arcade games. It, it just, at some point, that had to have happened. Um, other interesting notes about this. I mean, the cast is... The cast is really good. Yeah. And it is a... It, it is what you, you would unquestionably have to call an all-star cast. Uh, John C. Riley is I think I think the only person that kind of bugs me because it doesn't seem like it seems like they were just put in there to have that actress in there uh, specifically and it's not really a bad thing because the character is good and is entertaining but commander Jane Lynch just it it feels a little forced for me uh, and I can't separate because of the way she, she's visually designed I can't separate real Jane Lynch from commander Jane Lynch at all um, and that's okay. That happens with celebrity voiceovers and things like that. But at the same time, here you have John C. Riley, who I com- is completely lost in, in the character of Wreck-It Ralph for me. Um, Jack McBrayer, who uh, I adore, uh, is a perfect casting choice for Fix-It Felix. Uh, he didn't yeah. have to work for that. That's, that's just what he'd do. Um, a few other interesting uh, notes. Ed O'Neill... Uh, better known as Al Bundy from Married with Children, is the owner of the arcade. Oh, I did not know that. Um, I did not put that together. Adam Carolla's in this as one of the uh, two donuts, along with Horatio Sands, the two donut cops, uh, Winchell huh. and Duncan. And, um, and less well-known, but no less beloved by myself, uh, Joe Latrulio, uh, formerly of the sketch comedy group The State, is Markowski, the uh, soldier that freaks out in Tapper. And I I adore him and everything he's in, and I didn't realize it was him until I read that, and that just makes me so happy. I'm so glad you're you're a big state fan. I am. I am. The book's coming out. There's an oral history of the state coming out, like, this week, I think. I'll have to get a copy of them. I still need to watch that. I bought it on DVD or Blu-ray. I think it's just on DVD, actually. Mm-hmm. Or is it on Blu-ray? No, anyway, it's on DVD, it. yeah. yeah. I um, only watched the first episode so far. It's quite funny. Yeah, it's quite good. If you have not watched The State, you should track down a copy of that DVD and, and give it a watch. You will see 
many people that you know from other things that you have seen that are awesome. And uh, when you when you look into it and see like what these people have gone on to write and produce as well, they these eleven people have completely changed the comedy landscape uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the the two thousands. So yeah, go check that out. But um, anyway, I, yeah, I don't know that I have anything else to say about Wreck It Ralph. No, I think that's it. Like it is a genuinely for for all of the the fun we've had tearing into it and making fun of its um, themes. It's it's uh, it's I mean, horrifying, it, very real themes. Yes. And you should, like, if you've gotten this far and you're shocked that we do that to even a film like this, then you've not been paying much attention to the show. <laughs> um, I, I do, I, it is a very entertaining, very yes. fun film. Yeah, for, um, for all the shit sure we're giving. That, yeah, yeah, if you watch it with, with your children, just make sure you look at them and, and just say, if, if you want to do better in life, you can, my child. Um, just, just make sure, just look at them and say, you are true of heart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... So that they don't learn. And you're not. You're the not awful just. Lessons. Just. Just look your child straight in the eye and say you are not okay just the way you are. <laughs> oh, speaking of not Make okay, America just the way again. it is. Yeah. Um, our next movie is. It's one I've been looking forward to doing. It's Double Dragon, mm. starring Robert Patrick. With 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 an amazing hair and beard combination. Oh god. It's beautiful. Um I don't Double think, Dragon. I don't think I've seen it yet. Uh, you are in for a treat. Yeah. You are in for a treat. Well, you just told me Robert Patrick's in it and all of a sudden I am like fucking terrified. <laughs> I, I I I I heard it was bad. You 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 warned me to some extent, but n- now the knowledge that 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 he's the lead I love Robert Patrick. I love it too, but let's be honest, he's in a lot he's, of bad shit. He's the main bad guy. And he owns it. Um, so yeah, Double Dragon, if you want to get that watched. Um, trying to think if there's any uh, last closing statements we need to say. Uh, there was something I had, but I don't have it anymore. I don't know. But I, I, I do want to say this This works better than expected. Yeah. I was worried that this episode would be weak. I thought that um, without I thought without a you know a shoddy production or poor writing to work with, uh, we would struggle. And yet, and yet we found a way <laughs> to ruin ruin something good. So I'm very pleased with that. And yes, for those people who are very fucking excited about it, the fact we've done Wreck It Ralph means that yes, eventually we will do Pixels. Oh yeah. Eventually, one day. I'm thinking of maybe saving it for like Christmas or Thanksgiving or New yeah, Year's. A real like, special occasion. Yeah, so look forward to that at some point toward the end of this year, um, around about the holidays, as a nice treat for everyone. <laughs> we're going to talk about the Adam Sandler masterpiece that is Pixels. But for right now, it's Double Dragon. So you got two weeks from the point you listen to this. Well, not from the point you listen to this, from the point that uh, this goes up. You might listen to it later. But from the point that this goes up, two weeks, Double Dragon. It ain't hard to find. Get it watched. If you've not seen it before, you are you're in for something special. I'll just leave it at that. Until then, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Conrad. No, thank your you for having wonderful me. Wonderful 
write up and, and read up and everything. Um, good film, good film. Yeah. And you can hear more of us together on Fist Shark Marketing. That's fistshark.com. Uh, you can get the latest episodes there, or you can subscribe to it on iTunes or go to the Fist Shark YouTube channel. Uh, you can also see more of Conrad at Conrad Zimmerman on YouTube and also Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter. And that's about it. Thank you, all, as always, for your support, for listening, for enjoying. And we will see you next time with Double Dragon. Thank you. Bye. And goodbye. All right. Can you hear my cat purring? Oh, yeah, yeah, when I turn it up, yeah.